As one reads the Gospels, it becomes quickly apparent that the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was a people-centered ministry. There are two verses that declare uh, in detail the Lord's mission, uh, what his mission statement was, what his whole entire mission was three and a half years that he was here. Luke, uh, look at Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then again, Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Obviously, Jesus came into this world with the cross of Calvary in his sights, in his heart, and on his mind. He was literally born to die. Can you imagine that? Just think about that for a second. He was born to die. Now, we are, we are born, and once we born, we are inevitably in the process of dying. I mean, uh, cell degeneration. I mean, we are going to get older and therefore we're going to getting closer and closer to our death. But we weren't born for the sole purpose of dying, whereas Jesus was. And he was literally born to give his life. So take a look at John uh, 18.37. So John 18.37, here he's, Jesus is standing in front of uh, Pontius Pilate. And in verse 37 says, Therefore Pilate said to him, and this is like a question, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone is of the truth. Here's my voice. So it's really, really important. Do you hear his voice? Do I hear his voice? That's something that we need to ask ourselves. <clears throat> Are we walking around in this world with blinders on? Or do we hear the shepherd's voice? The sheep hears and knows his shepherd's voice. Someone could be, two people can be sitting there, one the true shepherd and one a deceiver, and they're both whistling, doing whatever the sounds they make. They're very distinct to that flock, and they're going to go to their true shepherd because they know their shepherd's voice. So my question for you is, do you know the shepherd's voice? The passage also, we're going to be looking at Mark 10, or no, uh, Mark 1, verses 40 through 45. That's going to be our scripture uh, base for this talk. So, but the passage in Mark 10.45 does tell us about Jesus coming to give his life for many. But it also tells that he came to this earth to minister. The word literally means to serve. And it comes from the same word that gives us the English word deacon or servant. 
Jesus came to the world to die for men and women, but he also came to serve man. Now, can we say that? Are we in it for ourselves? Or do we have a servant's heart that we put others first before ourselves? This attitude of service is seen time and time again in, in personal encounters. Jesus had a while that he walked on, this, on the earth in this world. Over the next several messages, I'd like to take a closer look at a few of the personal encounters of Jesus as they're, they're recorded in the Gospels. But today I want to begin with uh, a series called Moments with the Master. I want to see that <clears throat> moments spent with Jesus are powerful. Life-changing moments. As we observe Jesus and his interactions with the people in his day, <coughs> excuse me, we will see how he will interact with anyone who will take the time to spend some moments with the Master. So turn with me to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be looking, focusing on verses 40 through 45. And lift up the individuals that will be hearing this and if we can take a moment to spend with the master that we can take what we can get what he has given us what you Lord has given us to apply to our lives in a daily ongoing fashion that we can take your word hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you and Lord we just ask this not just for myself but I ask this for anyone and everyone who ever hears this and Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to look at your word, to learn more about you, and spend time with the Master. I thank you, and Lord, I just I, uh, lift up this moment that you just glorify the reading of your word, that we take it for granted, I take it for granted sometimes, that these are your words that you spoke. That we can take and apply it to our lives. And in today's world, that application process is so lacking in how we apply these words to our lives in a true biblical fashion. We thank you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's take a look at Mark 1, uh, 40 through 45. Sorry, excuse me. Tongue-tied this morning. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, saying, If you are willing... You can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy fell from him and he was cleansed. And he sternly, Jesus, sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing, what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around. 
to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy inspired word. So, when we look at a tr the transforming moment, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. <clears throat> that's a message of today. The name of our message is a transforming moment. This message finds the Lord Jesus in the midst of a tiring and trying preaching campaign, if you would say it that way. We are told in verses 21, same in chapter or Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34, that just the day before Jesus had taught in the synagogue, verses 21 and 22, cast out a demon, 23 through 28, healed Peter's mother-in-law, 29 through 31, and healed many sick folk and delivered them from demonic possession. And that was in verses 32 to 34. You would think that Jesus might take a period of rest after such a frenzied schedule. What a what a day before, man. Uh, we mow the lawn, and the next day it's like, I'm whooped. I'm staying home, and I'm just doing nothing for the rest of the day. But you would think that he would take a break. However, in verse 35, Jesus finds... He's up and in a place of prayer well before the daylight. When his disciples find him, he tells them, it is time to go into the neighboring cities to preach. For that ministry was the reason he came into this world, 36 through 39. In the midst of his preaching and teaching ministry in Capernaum, he is interrupted by a single man, a leper, it is this personal encounter that I want to focus on here. While there were great multitudes there to be healed, helped, and taught, one managed one man managed to get a moment with the master. So let's look at this scene. And witness for ourselves a transforming moment. So his disease. We are told that this man who approached the Lord was a leper. Of all the diseases and afflictions that devastated the ancient world, none was more feared or more fearsome as far as the progression of uh, of the of a disease than leprosy a, br a, <clears throat> a brief description of this horrific disease might be in order so let's think about this just for a second the disease usually started with a person be beginning to feel a little tired for no reason necessarily he would just have a, a feeling of fatigue and then the joints would begin <clears throat> excuse me to get sore and then that man one day noticed that his white spots to appear on his skin, uh, just little white spots, and then those white spots begin to harden into nodules, and then they turn from white to pink into brown and became very scaly. 
<clears throat> so you can see the progression of that. And then these nodules began to spread all over his body. They would affect his face first and then very configuration and and the very configuration and the appearance of the face would change just kind of morph and distort and there would be wrinkles and nodules over the face and until they tell us that this man is covered with leprosy like they would begin to resemble a lion that wrinkles and folds in a lion's face then those nodules would begin to become ulcerous and I mean it gets kind of nasty and, and stuff and then uh, it changes the gets, it progresses into the, the vo uh, vocal cords and then it changes the the sound of someone's voice and then there would be this wheezing uh, in his lungs and his voice would become very raspy <clears throat> So you see the disease of leprosy just began to totally consume a man until a man's body became little more than just the disease itself. So you, you can see that this disease was horrible and it lasted could last for up to nine years a man with leprosy and live and a man finally would just collapse and it's such a debilitating disease we see cancer today where people can live for decades with cancer but we can I'm sure we all either have a loved one or friends and we can see the debilitating aspects of cancer to the body but that was that was leprosy back then that's what we saw so if, if the physical part on the man wasn't enough that social isolation that went hand in hand with this disease must also be considered when it was determined that a man had leprosy they would be banished from the village he was no longer allowed to have communion with other people. He had to leave his family. He had to leave his friends. It was unlawful for a leper to approach within 50 feet of a clean person. If it was a windy day, the rule changed to 200 feet. He could not touch his family. He could only see them from a distance. Many families brought food and clothing for a while, but after a time, most families had a funeral service and regarded the afflicted person as a dead man. Man, just think about that right now. You had that disease. Once it got progressed so far that your family would just have a... You can be off in a, outside the village, off in the wilderness on the hillside in a leprosy leper colony and your family back in town just had a funeral service and pronounced you dead and had no longer had any contact with you that's harsh he had to tear his garment so people would recognize that he was a leper he was to dress as a mourner going to a funeral service his own funeral service 
over his upper lip, he had to wear a cloth, a cloth so he wouldn't spread the contamination. And every time, <clears throat> excuse me, and every time he saw people coming, the leper was required from a distance to cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. And it warned the people that a leper was on the premises and they would pick up stones and they would begin to throw rocks at him so he would get nowhere around him. Can you imagine that? This is the life of the man that just spoke and stopped and was speaking with Jesus. This is a life that he had to live. So here's a condition of this man. Here's the picture of this man. And the Bible says, was filled with leprosy. So you wonder, so, so this is a horrible image. <clears throat> and some may say, no one here has leprosy. So why do we have to hear this? I would answer it this way. In the Bible, leprosy is far more than a disease. It is also a type of sin. Now, no one in this room here or whoever is listening may have leper or, or may be a leper or have leprosy. But everyone has a problem with sin. And of all the diseases mentioned in the Bible, none pictures sin any more clearly than does the disease called leprosy. In Leviticus 13, we are given the regulations for diagnosing and dealing with leprosy. Let me point out a few similarities between leprosy and sin. Leprosy is deeper than the than the the skin, in Leviticus thirteen three. So is sin. The outward manifest uh, manifestations of sin are merely a window into the heart. Matthew fifteen eighteen through nineteen. You see, man isn't a sinner because he sins. Man sins because he's a sinner. Romans three twenty three, Galatians three twenty two. Say, my grandfather's watch looks good on the outside, but there's a problem with it in, with its insides. It doesn't need winding. It doesn't need a new battery. It needs a watchmaker to repair the problem. It needs something radical to happen within. So it is with the sinner. Quick, external, religious fixes won't do the job. The lost person <clears throat> needs a radical surgery of the heart. <clears throat> that means everybody. We need that watchmaker. Because we might look good on the outside. Going to church, going to work. But what's in our heart? Leprosy, number point number two. Leprosy starts out small and then it spreads. Levit Leviticus 13, 
verse 7. Just as a leper may have seen a tiny white spot on his skin one day, it wasn't many days until his flesh was consumed by that lonesome disease. Loathsome. What a picture of sin. Look at David's 2 Samuel 11. A little spot of laziness turned into adultery. An unwanted pregnancy, lies, and murder. That little drink will turn into a big problem with alcohol. A little petting on a date can turn into an unwanted pregnancy. Let down the walls a little here, allow a little sin there. And before you know it, your whole life has been ruined and ransacked by the devil. Think about that for a second. Starts off as a little spot. That's all it is. Just a little spot. It's a little sin. It's just one little website. Next thing you know, you're totally consumed by it. It's just a little flirtation. Next thing you know, your life is consumed by it. Leprosy defiles everything it touches. Leviticus 13, 44-46. When a man was smitten with leprosy, he was totally and thoroughly defiled. So it is with sin. Sin has a way of poisoning a man's, a person's, entire life. It will poison your family. It will poison your relationships. It will devastate and ruin everything it touches. In your life, for a little gold, silver, and a garment were worth his life. Ask anyone. In Joshua 7, Ask David if a few stolen moments with another man's wife were worth the devastation and calamities that came into his family as a result. Point number, point number four. Leprosy isolates. Leviticus 13.46 The leper was isolated from the camp of the clean. He was forced to dwell alone on the fringes of society. Sin also isolates. It drives a wedge between family members and it separates the sinner from God. Isaiah 59.2 Leprosy, point number five. Leprosy destines things for the fire. Leviticus 13.52 Everything the leper touched was burned. So it is with sin. It destines those afflicted by it to the fires of eternal torment. So it's easy to see why leprosy of the physical variety has such a, was such a big deal. It is also easy to see how the cruel terrible disease pictures the horrors of sin. So what is his desire? The leprosy, the leper. So here's this man. His life has been devastated by the scourge of leprosy. Perhaps he woke that morning in the leper colony and heard that a man named Jesus was in town. 
Maybe you heard how this Jesus had healed all sorts of demons and had cast out demons. Maybe for the first time in a long time, hope awakened in the heart of this man who was conditioned to feel hopelessness. You see, most people believe that lepers was a stroke of God that was the direct judgment of God for sin, excuse me, in the leper's life. Leprosy was a cruel blow to a person's self-esteem. It made them feel unloved, unwanted, and uncared for. But that morning, faith awakened in the heart of this leper. And knew, and this man knew, he had to get to Jesus. Whatever motivated him, this poor, wretched man began to hobble his way to Jesus. So we've understood the description of leprosy, what it does physically with the sores and all that. Can you imagine? He's outside of town, outside the village, off isolated, and he hears this rumor of Jesus who has healed these people. And there's that glimmer of hope. What if? What if this man can heal me of this thing that will take my life? It already has taken his life. So can you see the multitudes as they crowd around that Savior? Can you hear the commotion at the back of the crowd as people realize that there is a leper in the midst? Can you see the crowd begin to part with cries of fear and disgust as this man passes through their midst? Because granted, the picture I just told you, they can't be within 50 feet. And if the wind's blowing, 200 feet. So this man is violating the law. And these people are freaking out because they know what leprosy will do. He makes his way through the frightened crowd and stops within arm's length of Jesus. He kneels before the Lord and declared to the Lord his desire. What he said to Jesus is very telling of his condition. First, his words indicate a desire to be free from the disease. Second, his words declare his faith in Christ's ability. And then third, his words reveal his own sense of unworthiness before the Lord. These three things are a picture of what should be in the heart of a sinner who wants to come to Jesus to be saved from their sins. There must be a desire to be free from sin that binds you and me. Conviction produces this desire in the heart of the sinner. 
There must be faith in the ability of Jesus to save the soul. This faith is God's gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And it produces in the heart of the sinner by the Holy Spirit. Then there will always be a sense of unworthiness to come before the Lord. This is true. Because none of us deserve to be saved. When we come, the devil tells us, you're not worthy to come to Jesus. He's right. In our own heart, may tell you, you're not worthy to come to Jesus. Your heart is right, but don't let that stop you from coming. You might not be worthy to come, but he will never turn you away when you do. John 6, 37. That is the power of God's amazing grace. When the flesh and the devil says, you are not worthy to come, they're right. But when they say he won't have to, they are dead wrong. This old leper has reached a place where he knows he needs a miracle of God to deliver him from the disease. Apparently, he is in the last ages. For Luke tells us he was full of leprosy, and that shows in in Luke 5.12. He was nearly gone, and he needed divine intervention. So, he came to Jesus. Friend, if your life has been wrecked and ruined by sin, let me tell you that you too need divine intervention. You need what only Jesus can give you. You need a miracle. You need to do like this leper and get to the feet of Jesus. As the crowd watches, this leper falls down before the Lord and asks for a miracle. What will Jesus do? Will he also turn away in disgust? Will he call for the man to be stoned? As many people would have done. No. Jesus does the unthinkable. He shows this man compassion. That's revealed in his touch. It has been years since anyone has touched this man. It had been years since this man had held his wife or children. It had been years since he felt the touch of a human hand upon his. It had been years since he had been able to kiss his wife. He had been isolated and alone. To touch a leper made one unclean and was strictly forbidden by the law. 
touching the lever could possibly cause that one touching to become infected as well. But what did Jesus do? He touched him. I don't know what the leper was ex- what the leper expected. Probably to run off at best. <clears throat> Excuse me. And stoned to death at worst. But imagine his surprise when Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. He never expected that. Can you hear the crowd gasp in surprise and shock as they see Jesus reaching out to touch this unclean man? But oh, how glorious that one touch must have felt to this man. If there was any feeling left in his skin, it must have felt like nothing he had ever felt before. But others would never have touched a leper out of fear of contracting this horrible disease themselves. However, Jesus, the cleanest man in the entire crowd, touched him without fear. What was different about this touch? The the leper did not transmit to Jesus the corruption of his disease. Rather, Jesus transmitted to the leper the cleansing of his deity. Did you know that Jesus is still touching lives today? Yes. It makes no difference who you are or what you may have done. You were not as bad as to be beyond his touch. Have you experienced his touch? Do you remember how it felt to be locked in sin's dark dungeon? Helpless? and hopelessly lost in your sin. Do you remember how good it felt when the Lord reached into that hell of your life and touched you? If you do, then you know the glory of His touch. If you don't, you need to know that he will still touch you regardless of who you are, where have you been, and what you've done. As soon as Jesus touched him, he is made clean. His leprosy instantly departs, and his skin is made new and as fresh as a baby's. He is literally given a new lease on life. He is given a new life. He can return to his loved ones. He can rejoin society. Everything changed when he felt the transforming touch of Jesus on his skin. That is what happens spiritually when a sinner feels that saving touch of the Lord Jesus. Instantly, the blackness and deadness of a sin is replaced with life and the glory of God. The sinner is no longer lost, but found. Is no longer dead, 
but is alive, is no longer an outcast, but is made a child of God. Lost friend, listen. Just as Jesus changed this leper's life and set him free from the bondage of of his disease, Jesus can instantly and eternally change your life and set you free from the bondage and damnation of your sins. If you will come to him, he will transform your life. The demands of the law, this leopard was to go and to present himself to the priest and he was to get a certificate of cleansing on the basis of a ceremony and it was in Leviticus 14. Now over there in Leviticus chapter 14, here's what it says. It says that a leper was to come to the priest and the priest was to go outside outside the camp where the leper leper was, you see, the priest must help the leper understand the place of his cleansing. You see, the leper couldn't go in there where the priest was. The priest had to come out where the leper was. And you see, that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. You see, when he couldn't, when we couldn't go to heaven, Where Jesus was, Jesus came down here where we are. You see? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus suffered without the gate. Jesus has come down here where we are. And on a hill outside the city of Jerusalem, Jesus suffered. And when the priest was to take an earthen vessel filled with water, he was to take two birds. Now one of those birds he killed and let the blood of that bird pour into the water. And then the priest was to take the blood and apply it to the wings of the living bird. And then he took that living bird with the blood sprinkling from his wings out into an open field and let the bird loose and the bird would go flying up in the air and leper and the leper would see that blood dropping down from the bird and he would understand the price of his cleansing and the message would come to that leper I am clean because of the blood you see friends there's one element that can cleanse you from your sins today. And that is the blood of Jesus. You say, well, my sins are so deep. But the Lord says, my blood goes much deeper. But Lord, my sins have gone too far. But he says, my blood has gone much farther. Oh, Lord, my sins are strong. Jesus says, my blood is much stronger. Just as a leper had his cleansing completed by the application of the blood, so the sinner today is made clean 
through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice there's the, the desire of the Lord. Notice what Jesus says that this will be for a testimony unto them. I would say that the high priest had never seen a leper cleansed. I would venture to say that he had never utilized the commandments given in Leviticus 14. But that day, he was put on notice that there was a man in town who had the power to take away leprosy. What a testimony it was when that poor old leper was gloriously cleansed and applied at the temple for cleansing. Note, what a testimony it is when Jesus changes a life, when he liberates a soul from the bondage of sin and sets that sinner free. It is a glorious thing. It honors him and it draws others to him. Notice in verse 45, Everyone who had been set free from the bondage of, of sin ought to be out there publishing the matter and telling a watching world that Jesus sets sinners free and changes lives forever. What a blessing the testimonies of the saints are. Not your whining, but your story of salvation can be used of the Lord to change lives. Friends, are you that poor old leopard? Are you diseased spiritually and need help getting free? Jesus Christ is still in the business of changing lives. He's still in the business of saving souls. If he is dealing with your heart, you need to know that you do not have to live in your sins for one more minute. If you will come to him right now, like that leper did, believing him for your soul's salvation. Everything will forever change in your life. If God is calling you and you're ready for a new life, come to him right now. Whatever your needs may be today, come to him and he will take care of you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Lord, I just ask that if there is anyone that's hearing this that doesn't know you, that doesn't know your transforming power, your changing lives, your changing souls, you're ripping these souls from the grass of hell and bringing them into your kingdom. Lord, if nobody, anybody hears this does not know you, I ask that you just touch their lives. And Lord, to whoever's listening, just... <clears throat> 
encourage them give them the spirit give them the strength reveal yourself to them and for the believer Lord have them give your life give your life over to the Lord and let that leprosy be cleansed let that sin drop away there is no sin greater than the grace of God thank you Lord and I ask these things in your son's holy and precious name Lord we just thank you for this time and Lord this message can touch one life can transform one soul it is worth it. I love you, Lord, and I ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.